in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, I want you to read these words as, as I read them on the screen. Therefore know that, you, that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. The part I want you to see back in verse uh, 9, that he is the, where it says he is God, the faithful God. I want you to think about it. He is God, the faithful God. You know, the most secure people in the world are people who know God. Now, I didn't say who know about God, but people who know God. And the only way you get to know God personally is through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth, I am, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But, so that means that through Jesus we can come to the Father. And we can have a personal relationship with the Father. When we repent of our sins, which means we make the cho choice no longer to practice sin, and Christ comes to live in us, the separation between the holy God and us as sinners has been bridged through the cross, and we become one, one with the Father through Jesus Christ. And you talk about security. The most secure people in the world who know, are those who know God as their Father, Jesus Christ as their Savior, and the Holy Spirit as their indwelling comforter. You know, what gives us great security is this. It's the rock-solid understanding that our God and our Father is faithful to His children. He is faithful. In other words, that is who He is. Now, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, For you are all sons of God, you're all children of God, through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay. I want you to understand that God is faithful to his children. There's no way he could be anything but faithful. You know, I looked, um, looked that word faithful up. Uh, it has many definitions. But uh, one thing that came to me, I guess it was because of my background, was when somebody's faithful, it means you can lean on them. You can lean on them. When they're faithful, you can lean on them. And that reminded me of uh, uh, when I was growing up that we had an old rocking chair. It, 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 was, it, was a, it certainly wasn't a lazy boy, I'll tell you what. It, was, it, it made out of some kind of cloth. But my mother would sit in that chair and rock all the grandchildren. And she rocked me when I was a baby. I, that's how I learned to sing so well. She, she rocked me and she would sing... Leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning on, leaning, leaning, leaning on Jesus, safe and secure from all alarm. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. 
So I want to speak to you this morning about what it means for God to be faithful to you. Now, if you are a child of God, you, whether you know it or not, you're the most secure human being that can live on the face of this earth. And your security is not in yourself. Your security is not in your good works. Your security is not in your own righteousness. Your security is in the living God who created you. Your security is in the living God whose son came into your life and forgave you and made you one of God's children. So let me just mention about six or seven things about the faithfulness of God. Number one, here's, here's very, and you know this is so important. God is faithful in saving us. He's faithful in saving us. We read in 1 Corinthians one time. Now, now look at this. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It was the faithfulness of God that called us into fellowship with Jesus Christ our Lord. So God is faithful in saving us. He's faithful. And then over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18 and following, it talks about, uh, listen to what it says about God's faithfulness in saving us. You know, how our salvation is secure because it is in, it's in God. It's in Jesus. It says, but God is faithful. But as God is faithful, our word to you, he was talking about preaching the gospel to the Corinthians. As God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. We, we weren't changing our mind. But, but as God is faithful to you, our word to you was not yes and no. Then in verse 19, he says, but this, for the Son of God, now listen to this, Jesus Christ, whom was preached among us, among you by us, by me, Sylvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no. Listen to this. In him, it was yes. He said, listen, the message we preached to you was not an ambivalent message. Sometimes it was not no, and sometimes it was not yes. But everything we spoke to you, the gospel was yes. It was yes in Jesus Christ, because God is faithful. It says, for the, son of, for the promises of God in him. Now listen to this. The promises of God in him are yes. God's promises in Jesus are yes. And in him they're amen. And, and, and they to the glory of God through us. So God is faithful in saving us. You know, uh, nobody understood that uh, any better than the apostle Paul. In 1 Timothy 1 verses 14 and 15. Listen to what he said and, and in 1 Timothy 1, 14 and 15. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was exceedingly abundant with faith and love. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Jesus Christ. And, and it goes on and says in verse 15, uh, it says, this is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptance, now listen to this, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. Paul said, you know, i tell you one thing. It's faithful. God is faithful 
because I was a blasphemer. I was an insolent man. I persecuted the church. But God's grace reached to me. And it's a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So let me tell you something about God. He is faithful. He is faithful in his power to save. He is faithful when he saves his children. All right. But you know, this, this salvation involves forgiveness. So what about, is God faithful not only in saving us through Jesus? Is he faithful in forgiving us? What about forgiveness? Well, we read this many times, and you, you, you could quote it. It says, uh, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But then it says this, but if we confess our sins, look at this. He is faithful. Oh, God is faithful. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to give us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So a part of our salvation is not only God's faithfulness to save us, but, but God's faithfulness to forgive us of all of our sin. Boy, one of my favorite passages in all the Word of God. And I tell you, you need to memorize this, and you need to put it somewhere where you'll be reminded of it. Because the devil loves to condemn. He loves to judge. He loves to put you down. He loves to remind you of your past. But I want you to listen to this. Uh, the writer of Lamentations says, This I recall to my mind. He said, I remember this. Therefore, I have hope. Though the, through the Lord's mercies, we're not consumed. Let's just pause there. He said, I, I remember one thing. I remember this. And it gives me hope. It's because of God's mercy that I am not consumed. Because his compassions do not fail. And it goes on and says, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Did you know God's mercy and grace is new every morning? And when you go to him as your child with a broken and contrite heart, whether it's repentance of sin or whether it's just in praising him for his mercy, he says his, his mercy is new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. God is the God of today. He's not the God of the past who forgave you. He's not the God of the future who will forgive you. He is the God of today, and his mercies are new every morning. And the writer went on to say, the Lord is my, po my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. So the first thing I want to tell you about God's faithfulness. God is faithful in saving us, and only Jesus can save. But God is also faithful in, and is a part of that saving us in forgiving us. But you know, there's another interesting passage about God's faithfulness. Not only his faithfulness to save us, which includes forgiveness, but it is God's faithful in protecting us from the evil one. Do you know, it says that God is faithful in protecting us from the devil. It says in 1 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, but, but the Lord is faithful. Man, I love those words. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Man, what a promise about the faithfulness of God. 
He said, man, let me tell you, he'll establish you. God is faithful. He will establish you, and he will guard you from the wicked one. God is faithful in protecting us from the evil one. You know, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it talks about God is faithful. Listen to what it says. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. But here it is. Look at it. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond which you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, man, that encourages me that not only is God faithful in saving me and forgiving me, and his mercies are new every morning, and he is our portion, but God is faithful in guarding us from the evil one. He will not allow us to be tempted more than we can face, but will with the temptation give us a way to escape. You know, I love Psalm 84, verse 11 and 12. It just shows you uh, just God's faithfulness in protecting us. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. And then listen to this promise. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. I remember an individual who was really burdened about something, and it was a good thing, but they just couldn't seem to trust God. And I, and I showed him this verse where it said, No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. So God is not only faithful in saving us, God is faithful in keeping us and guarding us and protecting us from the evil one and from temptation. But you know, there's another passage about God's faithfulness. You know, God is faithful when we suffer for his sake. Now, I want you to think about that. God is faithful when we suffer for his sake. And the verses in Peter, it says, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian for his sake, yes, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. And in verse 19, it goes on to say, now listen to this, this is important. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. You know, I don't know why it got on my mind, but it's kind of been on my mind for about 10 days. I read where there are 200 and, 219 million, you know, and we're talking about 200 million plus nine, 219 million Christians that suffer severe persecution every day around the world. I mean, it's not occasional, but I mean, 219 million that suffer for Jesus' sake. Suffer. And God is faithful. He said, he t- don't glory in it. I know Brother A. Lacey just got back from India, and he was teaching and when he got back, he heard that one of the pastors in a city right next to where he was teaching, that he was, they went into his house and I guess burned it down and hung the pastor and killed him. I mean, it's hard for us to understand 
what it costs some people to say I'm a Christian. What it costs some people to say be baptized in the name of Jesus. Oh, listen, I'm telling you. But God is faithful to those who suffer for his sake. There's a movie that's going to be coming on and soon in a theater in Mobile called The Martyr. And it's about a man who spent 10 to 12 years in prison uh, being persecuted for his faith. I understand it's true to Scripture and true to a true experience. It would be good for us to be reminded that God is faithful to those who suffer for his sake. But you know, um, uh, we're talking about the faithfulness of God. You know what you need to do when when you're in the middle of a a crisis, uh, when you're in trouble, when you really don't know what to do, when you're out of answers, you know what you need to do? You, you, need, you, need, you just need to allow your mind and your spirit to go into the scriptures and go back to all the Bible says about God's faithfulness. How that, you, you, don't you reckon that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow to the idol and, and they said, well, if you don't bow, then uh, we're going to put you in the fiery furnace. And, and of course, they said, well, you can go ahead and do that, but if God wills, he'll save us. If not, we'll just go to be with him. But you know, th- there they were in the fiery furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar looked, and there was a fourth man in the fire, and it was Jesus. And they came out, and they didn't have the smell of smoke even on them. But you know what? They found out that God is faithful. He would have been faithful if he took them home. But he was faithful. And, and what we got to do when, when things are chaotic in our lives, we, we need to fall back, not upon our emotions, not upon uh, some experience. We need to just go back and say, wait a minute, time out. I'm a child of God, and God is faithful. He, he's faithful to me, and I can rest in the faithfulness of God. And so I'm telling you, uh, the faithfulness of God gives you a security that, that you, you, you won't get anywhere else. All of you have seen these advertisements that you're in good hands with Allstate. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm not for or against any particular insurance company. I, that, I don't like that advertisement about mayhem. That's a bunch of junk. But anyway, <laughs> that man's been killed for so many ways, I've never seen nothing like it. I want to tell you something. Glory to God, I'm about to get happy. I want to tell you something. I am not in the hands of Allstate. I'm in the hands of the living God. And you're in the hands of the living God. If God is your father, and I want to tell you, he is faithful, friend. And when Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Listen to what he says. No one can pluck them out of my hand. And that is a good place to be. The most secure person in this world is a person who is God is his father. Jesus Christ is his savior. The Holy Spirit is in, is indwelling comfort, comforter, and he's resting in the faithfulness of God to him. And it's not an emotion. I mean, you just know God and you say, I'm going to trust God in this because he is faithful. Let me show you something. God is faithful in keeping his promises. I want you to look at this in numbers. Uh, we, we know he's faithful in keeping his promise. But, but this, this is a, a testimony that was given. He said, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? 
Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? I like that. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not a man that he should repent. When God says it, he will do it. When he speaks it, it will come to pass. See, God is faithful in keeping his promises. And I don't have to tell you how many they are. But I love this in 1 Thessalonians. How that God is faithful to his children and keeping his promises. Now, some of you are standing on some promises that the, the substance, faith is the substance of what you're hoping for. And so your, your faith is in the promise of God, and that gives you substance for what you're hoping for, and you're expecting to see that fulfilled in your life as in the near future. All right, so it says here that, uh, that God is faithful, it says in 1 first, in first Thessalonians 5, 23. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, set you apart completely, touch your body. It says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, you're talking about security. He said, God's going to sanctify you in your body, soul, and spirit and he is going to do such a way, he's faithful, and he's going to present you blameless at the coming of Jesus. And look at the next verse. He who calls you, that's another word for salvation, and for following Jesus. He who calls you is faithful. Well, how much plainer could it be than that? He who calls you is faithful, but wait a minute, who will also do it? It's God who will sanctify you. It's, it's God who will preserve your body, soul, and spirit. It is God who will present you blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. God is faithful in keeping his promises. In Hebrews 10, 23, look at this. Now, you need to, you, you see, I'm afraid that when trouble comes, when trials come, when difficulty comes, when we can't figure it out and, and, and nobody seems to understand what we're going through, I'm afraid we look too much to ourselves to find uh, hope and security when we need to be looking at God himself. We need to be focusing on God, focusing on Jesus, because he is the one who's faithful. In, in, in Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope, it'll be tested. The devil said it ain't going to happen. It's not going to come to pass. God really didn't take care of your past. He'll lie to you. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without waving, wavering. For, look at this. For he who promised is faithful. And over and over again, the word of God says, listen, you're in God's hands if you're a child of God. You're in the hands of Jesus. And you need to understand, no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, no matter what it is, God is faithful to keep his promises that he has given to you. In 2 Timothy 2, verses 11 through 13, this is a pretty disturbing passage here. But I want you to look at what it says. It's about God's faithfulness to keep his promises. This is a faithful saying. If we died with him, 
We did with Jesus. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Christ lives in me. Knowing that our old man was uh, uh, nailed with him to the cross. If, this is a faithful saying. If we died with him, we also will live with him. Next verse says, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, oh, he also will deny us. Now, that first part of that verse was really comforting. But that last one kind of sobering. But just let me say this to you. If we endure, we shall reign with him. We need to realize that God is faithful. Now, he's faithful. He's faithful in saving us. He's faithful in protecting us from the evil one and in, in, in the area of temptation. He is faithful when we suffer for his sake. And those that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Uh, and that's no question about it. Those that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. God had one son, and he was persecuted. And Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you if you live godly in this ungodly world. It says, and, and, and God is as faithful when we suffer for his sake, and God is faithful in keeping his promises. But you know, th this is a very comforting passage, but a very disturbing passage. God is faithful in correcting us. You know, uh, uh, my, my father and my mother, I was accountable to them, and they had every right to correct me if I didn't do right. Now, somebody else who was not my parents or I was not a, a, an authority over me, uh, they didn't have that right to correct me unless my parents gave them permission. You know, I remember when we went to, uh, when I went to grammar school back in the dark ages, uh, that uh, went to central school and, 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 and uh, Mr. Wallace was our principal and if you didn't do right, they, they would actually, they'd actually give you, will actually paddle you. You know, if you did that now, they'd kick you out of the school system and accuse you of brutality. You know that, don't you? No discipline. So I, I remember many times the teacher said, well, I've been out telling you long enough, you go down to the office. Well, I think he got, got to know me by my first name. <laughs> and I, I recognized the paddle. And I won't tell you right now, it, it stung. It, it was not fun. But it didn't seem to help. But it, I'm just telling you. <laughs> but, but, but you know why he had the, the right to, to correct me? Because I, I, uh, my parents gave him the authority to correct me. And he, if he hadn't, he wouldn't have had that authority. But now let me tell you something. God has the authority to correct us when we, get, when we mess up, when we get off track. And, and, you know, that ought to encourage you today. See, if you're a child of God and you get off the path and you start going your own way, you backslide, you're full of yourself, there's unconfessed sin in your life, and you're just, you're, you're just away from the Lord. But you're his child. So guess what he's going to do? Uh, you know, God's going to come looking for you and he's going to correct you. Let me give you the verses. In Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. And I never will forget... Uh, uh, I, I, I don't get many letters from people who watch television because I never ask people to write in. I never ask them to respond. I never do that. Uh, we used to have people that would call in on the phones. But I never will forget when I was at Cottage Hill, 
The one time I got a pretty, pretty bad letter was when I preached on this passage right here. And I want you, now let me say this to you. If you're saved, God is faithful in correcting you when you get off course. Now you need to know that. He, he, you are his responsibility. And he has the, faith, the uh, authority to correct you. Look at what it says in Hebrews 12, 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to son, my sons. My sons, do not despise the chastening the, or the correction of the Lord. Don't despise it when God corrects you when you're off course and you're not walking with him. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Do not be discouraged when God rebukes you. Now, I want to say this to you. If you're a child of God and you get off course and you're out of fellowship with God and there's sin in your life, God is going to, God is going to deal with you and you either willingly and voluntarily repent and confess or God's just going to keep working on you. It says here, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He said if he loves you, he's going to correct you because he does not want you to be to get off the path. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects and scourges every son whom he receives. Now, now look at this. This will disturb you. It says, if you endure chastening, if God does correct you, God deals with you as sons. He deals with you as a member of the family. For what son is there whom a father does not correct? Then he goes on and says, uh, and, and verse 8, But if you are without chastening, if you get away from God, and, and sin is in your life, and you're going your own way, and you're doing your own thing, and God's Spirit has dealt with you, it says, But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you're illegitimate. And you're not a son. You say, Brother Fred, I've been away from God a long time. And I, 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 I've got sin in my life I haven't dealt with. But God hadn't corrected me. Boy, you're in trouble. If God hadn't corrected you, that means you're not his son. You're illegitimate. Boy, that's pretty strong. But you see, God is faithful in correcting us. He's, well, why does he do that? Well, look at verse 9. Furthermore, we had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? You know, for they indeed for a few days chastened us to seem best to them. But listen why God chastened us. Are you ready for this? But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Why does God correct a Christian? Why does God correct one of his son or daughters? Because he wants you to be a partaker of his holiness. He wants your life to reflect his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want to say this to you. You, you. you ought to thank God from the depths of your heart that God is faithful in correcting you. That God will not leave you alone. He will not let you go. He will. And you know, so many times God just speaks and we repent. But if we do not, then God takes whatever measure he needs to take to correct us, get us back on the right path so that we will be partakers of his holiness. I'm so thankful that God is faithful in correcting us. Did you ever, whenever you ever got corrected by your father or your mother, 
Did they ever tell you, well, this hurts me more than it does you? Did they ever tell you that? I said, I don't believe that. <laughs> My daddy would say, now, son, you know this hurts me more than it hurts you. I said, well, I, I just, I didn't, I certainly didn't open my mouth. But anyway, <laughs> but uh, I didn't see how it did. Now, I, what am I trying to say to you today? Trusting the Holy Spirit that, listen, you don't have to be insecure. You don't have to let everything that goes up and on in this world trouble you and disturb you. Now, we'll be concerned and pray. But your security is not in your bank account. Your security is not in the people that surround you. Your security is not even in your marriage, and I hope you have a secure marriage. But I won't tell you where our security is. In this troubled world that is on its way to hell like a rocket ship, and one day Jesus is coming back to receive his children unto himself. You understand that your security is in the living God, the God who created you, the God who sent his son to die for you, the God who raised his son from the dead so he could live his life in you and you, you whatever you face don't you keep looking at your circumstances and the mountain and the difficulties you just keep praising God God you know where I am you know what I'm facing and God your word absolutely testifies that you are faithful you are faithful in every area of my life and I can lean on your everlasting arms. I can trust you. You know, here's the last thing that I want to mention to you about God's faithfulness. God is faithful in keeping his covenant. You know, God is a covenant-making God. You know, uh, we, we don't know hear much about people making covenant today. People sign legal papers and all that stuff and, 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 and in order to get it in writing and by law. But there was a covenant, making covenants in, in Bible times were very, very common things. Well, God made a covenant with, um, with the Israelites. He made a covenant with them. And that covenant was based on the law. But, but the reason he made that covenant and chose them was not because they were greater in number than anyone else, but it was just the people that he chose so that the Messiah could come through that, this, that it was Messiah would be a son of David. So God made a covenant with him. And, and we, let's read that in, in Deuteronomy 7, 9 and 10. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, now get this, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. A thousand generations? To those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face and to, to destroy them. He will not be slack with them who hates him. He will repay them to his face. So God is a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God, and he is faithful to his covenant. Now, we get over to the new covenant. We're not under the old covenant. We're not under the covenant of the law. We're under the covenant of grace, the covenant of grace. And so we come to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, and it shows here, that God is faithful in keeping his covenant. Now, the mediator of our new covenant is Jesus. He's a mediator of our new covenant. He, he sealed that covenant when he died on the cross. He sealed it when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And so we are partakers of the new covenant through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, well, what about that covenant? What does it say? 
This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. By the way, there's physical Israel, which is a real place and is vital in the heart of prophecy. But all of us who are saved and descendants of Abraham, we are, quote, uh, part of Israel in a sense. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. He said, I want to put my law in their mind. And I'm going to write them in their heart. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Do you realize how significant that is? There's no way that without the Holy Spirit showing you how significant that is. You see, all the early, the early Israelites had, all they had was a covenant written on stone tablets, the Ten Commandments, the moral law of God. That's all they had. It was written on tablets of stone. It was not written in their hearts, and it was not written in their minds. And so there was outward pressure for them to keep the law, outward pressure to keep the law. Now, let me tell you what religion is. Religion is outward pressure to keep the rules. Religion is outward pressure to, to be religious. All right, but the only problem was they couldn't do it because they had a sinful nature that they got from Adam. So God says, all right, now I'm through with that old covenant. I'm making a new covenant, and this time, this, not, this covenant it is not going to be written on tablets of stone. What I'm going to do is I'm going to change the hearts of men and women. I'm going to change their hearts and minds. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to write my law in their minds, and I'm going to write my law in their hearts. And their obedience is not going to come from pressure on the outside. Their obedience will come from a changed heart that is on the inside. And so the awesome thing about the new covenant is God writes his law in our hearts and our minds and we obey God not because we have to but because we want to. And that changes everything. Under the law, you have to obey God. They didn't want to. But now God has written his law in our hearts and our minds and now we obey God not because we have to but because we want to because it's written in our hearts. And in our minds. So a part of the new covenant is this. He said, I will, re- I will uh, uh, go back to verse 10. He said, I will write my law in their hearts and in their minds. And he says, none of them, uh, uh, I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be their God. Personal. Personal. And, and they will be my people. Okay. Then he goes on and says in verse 11. None of them shall teach his neighbor And none his brother saying, know the Lord. Listen to this. For all shall know me. In the new covenant, everybody knows God. It's not an intellectual knowledge of God. It's not a historical knowledge of God. It is an experiential, personal knowledge of God. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord. For you shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. In the new covenant, everybody's going to know him. And I will be merciful. Well, this is part of the new covenant. Man, I love this. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. I'm going to be merciful to them. And then this. And their sins and, and lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Wow. What? Now, I want you to think about the new covenant. God writes his law in our hearts and in our minds. And we obey God not because we have to but because we want to, because Jesus has changed our life. 
and we're new creation. But on top of that, God says, and you know, I know the enemy is a condemner. He's a judger. And he's always reminding them of their past. So I'm just going to let them know that in the new covenant, that their sins and iniquities, I'm not going to remember no more. They're going, I'm going to forget them. They go in the depths of the bottom of the sea. Boy, I tell you what, when the devil comes and accuses you of your past, accuses you of your past, reminds you of your past sins, and you know that you have repented of those sins, and you're no longer practicing them, you know that, then you, 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 you just stand on the new covenant and the faithfulness of God and say that you, you, you're a liar because the Bible says that my sins and iniquities the Father will remember no more. And thank God that's a part of the new covenant. And so uh, my, my whole thrust today is this, is to remind you in a chaotic, troubled world personally, corporately, on every hand, you know, somebody said, well, you know, Brother Fred, life is not fair. God never said it would be. Somebody says, well, you know, uh, life, life is hard. God never did say it wouldn't be hard. But what we have going for us, who we have going for us is this. The God that we know, the God that we love, the God that we gather here every time we meet to worship. Through his son has become our heavenly father, and he is our security. Our security is in him. The devil didn't give it to us, and the devil can't take it away. The world didn't give it to us, the world can't take it away. Our security is in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and in his faithfulness. God is faithful. Praise his holy name. And I encourage you to dwell on his faithfulness. Don't dwell on your circumstances. Dwell on the faithfulness of God. And I assure you, you will find hope and faith rise in your heart. And you'll live with confidence in a world where there is no confidence.